right, top of the evening. Here we are, Paul and I, and new friend of ours, Travis, joining us here at Wrecked. Um, thanks for joining us for another episode of Wrecked Podcast. Um, we're back here at the Alchemist Coffee Shop having a conversation. And uh, it's been a week or so since our last conversation. Hope it all's going well. Um, first, want to introduce Travis. Um, our, our, whoever's listening probably knows Paul and I. Travis, maybe just turn it over to you. Just introduce yourself, and um, I know you're you're been going going through hell, you and your wife, over the last three months, and maybe just a little bit of kind of you know your story and and what, you know, what connected us, I guess. Yeah, sure. Um, so my name's Travis, and uh, my son was killed on the 21st of October. Um, he was riding his bike, and he was standing on a street corner and was struck by a, a semi, uh, making a right-hand turn. So I um, thought I'd just get that out of the way, because <laughs> that's pretty much why I'm here. So, And then uh, that started uh, our what I would call our grief journey. Um, and uh, he's our only child, so uh, that kind of—I mean, I don't—I don't know if any loss is, um, you know, more, uh, more or less, but that certainly doesn't help help things. But uh, for us, but um, so anyway, uh, so we're now about three months, uh, a little over three months in uh, since his loss, and uh, we've just been working through it ever since, and. Um, I know Mike through uh, the Eagle High School mountain bike team, uh, basically roundabout sort of way. Uh, they put on a memorial ride for my son the weekend after his accident. Um, and uh, Mike showed up, introduced himself um, as somebody who had lost their child uh, three months uh, prior to our accident. And, uh, and here we are. So I remember... Um Paul and I actually talked about you, your loss before I ever met you. Um, I can't remember when it was, but it was. Yeah, I mean, obviously it was. It was late October. Um, I, I think it was maybe the next week or, or whenever it happened. We were doing a podcast, and uh, when I heard of, of Ryland's accident on that Friday, um, obviously didn't know who who it was, and I just remember you know hearing about the accident and the biker and. Man, that that was on my heart all weekend long. Just thinking about thinking about you and Heather without ever knowing you. And and actually, I think it was episode three. Paul and I talked when we talked about uh, sh- um, uh, trauma and and uh, shock and trauma is kind of the, the focus of that that episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just kind of reliving my own shock and trauma of of, of Brain's loss. But thinking about about you guys and what you were going through over that last weekend, yeah. um, what a horrific loss that you guys had, and um, kudos to you and um, even showing up today. I can't, you know, it's it's this is tough to to go through and to kind of show up and, and be willing to talk about it. Um, thank you for being here. I'll, thank you for. I'll having second me. that. Uh, congrats for being here. I mean, as far as keeping your feet moving, and you say you're doing grief things daily and this is uh, certainly a good one for that and I do remember that podcast and thinking about you and your family and uh, we were wondering I think uh, that might have been you know what am I going to say to this guy and it didn't really matter that you had anything to say you just now had this connection and uh, Channel 6 did a beautiful job with that bike thing and I was touched by it, and I keep talking about the ripple effect, and here I go again, but that uh, little spiel on, uh, on the news channel about Ryland and what you did to follow up that with action and uh, meeting Travis and his family, um, I guess that's why I say congrats, because you guys are both making this something positive you're taking a really shitty hand and you're you're doing something with it so uh that's my way of welcoming you i guess yeah i remember meeting you and for the first time at that at that bike event travis and and when i was there 
really that's, that's that's one of the things I really wanted to do because I know when we had our event, you know, in, in June, right after Braden was killed, um, I sensed a lot of people were afraid to or didn't know what to say and were kind of afraid to maybe approach me or my wife because it's it's like it's like stepping into you know an unknown territory in that in that circle because you don't know what to say to that person or you know and hadn't had had recently gone through it I actually wanted I was seeking you out I wanted to reach out and talk to you and just because I felt this connection this kinship um, unfortunately you know I wouldn't wish this on anybody but um, just wanted to to be there to kind of make that connection so that you had maybe somebody to relate to and right kind of been there so yeah so the you know, the within the first couple of days of the accident, I just kind of felt like I was on a on an island, you know, mm-hmm. and that the the stuff that I was feeling was like nobody else was feeling it or had felt it, right? Yeah. So, so, um, mm-hmm. so it was good to meet you and and know that it was still pretty fresh for you too at the time, Absolutely. you know, yeah, totally. And, and so, it and was, it still feels fresh. Honestly, yeah. I mean, we're what seven, I don't know, seven plus months. It still feels. You know, like a bad dream. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's nice. Um, it, it's nice to be connected with somebody that knows exactly where you're coming from. Yeah. You know, and um, and that was really valuable to us. It's you know, and we were still very much in shock at that time. Um, and but that did really help, to be honest with you, because I, you know, shortly after that, I started to think that. You know what I'm feeling is not new. It's not new to you know anybody who's been um, in a grief process like this. Right. You know, everybody's feeling the same things, only in different orders and different intensities. Right. Right. So agreed. Um, so it it you know it really did um, really did help out a lot. And and of course we have the bike team connection and yeah. you know they're a tight group and so yeah it was it was good. Tell us a little bit about Rylan. You know, that's, I, I know what, one of my favorite questions from people is, you know, either tell me something about Braden or, or, uh. What kind of girl was Sarah? Tell me. Yeah. I mean, that's. Love that. Love to talk about our kids. And, uh. So you're on the spot now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, he was kind of a, you know, kind of a prankster. Um, I would say, in a, in a very dry sense, you know. Um, he was just getting to the point where he's kind of coming into his own and um, being comfortable in his own skin, you know. And uh, so he would, um, <laughs> starting to lip off to us a little bit and not be fearful about that, you know. Um, but, uh, but, you know, he, I think all in all he was, uh, you know, pretty, pretty normal um, 14-year-old kid and was you know he was just starting to you know initiate gatherings with his buddies and uh loved that bike team uh loved a mountain bike in general um and i, f- I felt like he was a pretty easygoing kid too um, to be honest i mean he was nervous about some stuff he probably inherited that from me but <laughs> but other than that um i th- i think he was just a normal um Normal 14, almost 15 year old boy. So that was the bicycle an always thing, or yeah, it was. It definitely was. Yeah, yeah. So we we got him on, um, got him on a bike. You know, Heather Heather is uh, um, real big big on cycling. You know, she came from uh, the East Coast, so it was road cycling. Uh And then when she came out here, it was more mountain biking because that's what we do out here, right? so, and, you know, we got him on a mountain bike as soon as we thought he was ready. And, um, yeah, and that's pretty nice. much what his, his primary love um, with snowboarding, a uh, close second to that. But, you know, he got the most out of mountain biking for mm. sure. So. And he was on the mountain bike team. He raced race that season? Right? He did race that was season. Was that his yeah. first season? In uh, s- that was his second season, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Great yeah. program. The NICA program is, is awesome for kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I tried to stay stay involved this year as a coach. It was it was tougher um, to to be involved and with, with Braden not in it this year, obviously. And um, but you know, just the, the program's great. I tried to go to a couple of different races and support the team, but man, it was hard. It was I hard. bet it was hard being there and um, knowing that he and his buddy Henry, that was also killed on the same day, was yeah. you know should have been there and should have been racing and should have been having fun and they were th- this was the year that they were just you know they've they've really enjoyed it but this was the season going into this fall season that they were just gung-ho and mm-hmm. ready to go mm-hmm. and just got a new bike and so so excited about it so it's 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 tough and that's part of loss too is you just you know obviously the first level loss you lose you lose the the, the person and, and you miss their being around you and, and that. But the other part of it is is you miss the opportunities of what they were going to do, right? Right. And, and, and the, you miss the opportunities of you getting to watch them do those things and, and watch those, you know, and, and the anticipation of where they're going to go. So there's this layers of loss that you mm-hmm. go through, not just losing the person, you know, and, and that's obviously the biggest part of it. But, um, yeah, it's tough obviously Mm -hmm. that was well put michael have you uh and the bicycle team been uh, have you been into the any of their events or uh yeah so it was the it was the end of the season um when his accident happened and I, i i I, I'm careful about the word accident because it sometimes it doesn't feel like that's the right uh, word for right, it, you know. Right. But um, but yeah, we we so they had uh, their banquet happened um, two weeks after, um, and uh, so we had, we went ahead and went to that, you know, and it, and that was part of. Um, I just kind of felt like if I didn't, um, like it was more of a show of strength for me if by doing it, you know, and everybody was pretty emotional and, um, you know, they had a nice slideshow for him dedicated Mm -hmm. to him. Um, so, so yeah, we, we did, um, continue doing, you know, we did what, you know, what events were left with the, uh, the bike team. So, and we're, um, trying to figure out going into the next season, what our place is now, you know, sure. Um, because like you said, you know, it was, probably really difficult um, can't imagine the the races are probably the most difficult thing that we see on the horizon you know um so might be another one of those situations where we have to uh you know we gotta maybe stir it down yeah first, see how it goes you know? right so yeah i think that's a good way to put almost everything you go through with grief is the stare it down because it's like, you know, we just have talked a lot about going through the holidays and, and like looking ahead and going, okay, I have to get through that or I have to do that. And honestly, sometimes I, sometimes it's, you're tempted. The easy thing to do is just to almost curl in a ball and, and, and just block it, try to block it all out. Right. And that's, that's what it feels like you want to do. Yeah. But then you have, I like your attitude and kind of way you said it is, is like, okay, this is going to be really hard and, you know, we're going to stare it down and, and go do it. Like even go into that banquet was mm-hmm. probably extremely hard um, yeah. in a lot of ways. It would mm-hmm. be easier not to, not to go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we knew it was going to be hard. So, um, and I, you know, I don't, when I think about it, I don't exactly know if it was therapeutic or not. I'd like to think so, but I didn't, I don't know uh, the alternative because I went, you know, <laughs> I don't know how I would have felt if I had yeah. I not gone, but, Good but, take. I, but I kind of felt the same as like, you know, my son's eulogy. Um, I knew that it was going to be extremely difficult, but it was something I felt like I had to do. Yeah. So kind of the same thing, I guess. Um, so. Wow. So uh, you did his eulogy then? I did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm sure it was... Uh, you had to get some kind of daddy strength out of that, yes? Yeah, I, I, I had to put... Um, I had to put the, I guess, the really emotional grief 
somewhere else for a, for a few minutes, you know, as long as I, uh, as long as I needed. And then, um, you know, the prep work for that, it took me the entire week um, just sitting on a brown chair looking out our window to write that. Yeah. So, <laughs> wow. and that's all I could do, you know, so. I think that, you know, I know Paul, I heard his, you know, eulogy to Sarah in 2002 and she, she was killed and obviously I, you know, did mine, you know, the eulogy for Braden in, in June and, and hearing you, it's like, I don't know if there is a harder thing to do as a dad than to sit down and say, I mean, and it's hard in a lot of ways and at the same time you're, you're, you're getting to celebrate the person that they are and, and highlight their 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 greatness and in, in, in everything they do but but to think about your your writing about their life and they are you know in, in at their funeral and it's just like there's nothing harder than that um, yeah and to yeah. say the right you know say the right words and things like that but at the same time I wouldn't want anybody else to do it right exactly Yep. And so you, it's like, what do you... Just didn't feel right for, you know, yeah. to have somebody up there reading my eulogy, somebody else, you know. I agree. Um, and, th- and then I also kind of had like a kind of a like screw it attitude, right? If I went up there and I cried the whole time and was barely able to squeak it out, it's not about everybody else. Right. <laughs> and I know that kind of sounds kind of selfish, but... I know for me, like... Um, just you just bringing me back to the service you know and I remember early on in the service for me there was a song that came up and I just I wept hard at the beginning of the service and I'm so glad I did because I had all this pent-up emotion that had to be released and I cried hard and I was almost like sick almost fainted early in the in the service I just was not I was I had a, so much going on in my body and my head and everything that anxiety all these things that were happening but it all kind of happened early on by the time I was I got to the point of actually delivering the eulogy like I felt like I had purged so much of that emotion I was in a better place to be able to to kind of articulate mm-hmm. the message that I wanted to for Braden and um, hopefully give you know do right in his honor for mm-hmm. what, what we wanted to do as a family so yeah and Paul, what was your experience? Was it kind of along the same lines, or? Yes, uh, I couldn't imagine anyone else doing it. But uh, man, I was so angry I didn't want to do it. And I sought out uh, a good friend of mine, who had just buried his mom. And he met me down at the sub at Boise State, and I had my little yellow pad there, and I'm oh, I'm gonna kick ass, but I don't know how or what to say. And uh, so he came down, and I, I begged of him to tell me how to get this done or how I was going to have the strength to go up there and do it. And he goes, you just will. It's like an autopilot thing. Mm-hmm. And by the way, he said those exact same words to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He did. I remember sitting it's, on my well, porch. Yeah. It's true. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. But no, no, I don't know. I don't know how we do it. Um, so, uh, that gave me a lot of, that I would, I knew I could at least pull something together based on his words. And then I actually had a backup plan. Hey, if I can't, if I can't get through this, will you come up and finish it? You know, cause maybe the opposite of you, I didn't want to be a blubbering tool. My ego was too <laughs> precious, <laughs> too precious. Cause I want it to be so perfect, you know, just the right amount of funny, just the right amount of, uh, you know. I wanted to be perfect. Yeah, inspirational. And what can I say? You know, what what can I say good that came out of this bad? You know, like I've I've been caught saying I might as well try it try it on there. So uh I did my I stayed up a couple nights and I tried to write it down. I had it all down and then I went to the she was her service was out at the gym, at the high school gym, and I snuck into the coach's office. And this will be funny if uh, Coach Parker's listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just getting it 
finalized, and he came in there and uh, he dropped a deuce <laughs> right next to me. And it's the loudest toilet ever. You know the new toilet in there? It just goes. I was not expecting that. No, no. Hey, Travis, meet Paul. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny the things we remember, though, because I remember uh, something funny about Uncle Steve's tie, too. And it's like, why would you remember that? It's just little things because, I don't know, maybe still in shock. And how am I going to get through this? And I'm finishing up my notes. And that kind of made me laugh. And uh, I went out there angry, and I saved my angry for the end. My anger, I got, and I thought I delivered a pretty good uh, eulogy, a pretty you good, pretty good uh, job for Sarah. But the minute I got off the podium, I went into angry Paul, Frank the Tank mode, and I don't know, I was game on from there. I did what I needed to do now. Watch me, watch how pissed I'm going to be at God. And uh, that carried over for a while. It did. Years. Yeah. So opposite of you guys, I was on the run. I didn't want to address it. I was medicating it away. Um, well, you know the story. You know, I got I heard you say that. It kind of struck something with me. So I remember... Um, a couple days after, actually, when we were getting into, you know, the going into the memorial ride for Ryland, and we had not had counseling lined up yet. Knew eventually down the road, maybe. And we kind of looked around and, and we're hearing people talk, and everybody had already been in touch with a grief counselor. I mean, like almost everybody around us, like, this is our kid, and everybody else had a grief counselor. <laughs> Except for like, us. Like other family members yeah, or friends? Like, or? Yeah. Um, uh, wow. I think coaching staff had, okay. had you know, it, most of the people we knew that were, you know, if their kids were close to Ryland or, you know, folks on the bike team and stuff. So hmm. the, the, I did honestly didn't take uh, therapy or counseling as, as serious until that moment when I was like, I don't know. It was. I, I, I always thought it was okay, right? But not something that is absolutely detrimental to do after something like that and quick, yeah. you know, as fast as you can get in there. Because I have couldn't tell you where I would be at had I had we not done that. Um, I could have very well been just as angry and just, uh, you know, I don't know. It's and I think you said something in a previous con. Uh, podcast paul you said uh, something to the effect that you know you cut it in half when you say it out loud yes yes and that is really every time we hit counseling that rings in in my head like a bell nice and that's basically what's i think what happened there you know so so anyway didn't mean to hijack your no that gives uh, me a happy bumps hearing uh hearing you use that no hijack taken and i've used that share with other people too because I it's think it's so, so true. true it, it is. is yeah and I think that's where the counseling can make such a difference and that's where honestly this thing <laughs> is is doing this is the exactly same thing. that I mean, yes it's really exactly and what that is so if you're listening this is not for you this is for me uh, <laughs> 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 that's why Mike's got his name up front too I noticed on the on the apple but it's all right <laughs> we'll talk about that later okay I guess we do um but I, I, I agree. Now, Travis, are you um, seeing someone just, I mean, you guys, you and Heather going together, separate? Uh, yeah, we that? try to go together as much okay. as possible. Yeah. yeah. Um, we are starting, we're, we're doing um, uh, EMDR sessions, and I... Uh, I don't know what that is. Really? Um, I, I might when you say it, but I'm not familiar with the acronym. See if I can uh, articulate it, but it's um, eye movement desensitization uh, reprocessing. That's what the R stands for. Yeah. So Tell it's me a, about that. So um, it's basically uh, in a therapy session, they're moving a, a dot or a, in our case, it's a wand back and forth to get your eyes moving back and forth without turning your head. Okay. And then um, during that process, um, you're kind of being cued up, you know, like 
Um, they'll usually start with something, you know, a thought or a feeling that's very traumatic. Um, in my case, it was the scene. I came up on the scene um, shortly after right. um, uh, after it happened. So that's something that I need to hammer needed hammer away at with EMDR, and it really took the bite out of it. It took like the I would say <laughs> I don't know the the fight or flight reaction out of it. So the memories are still there. It just doesn't, um, you know, make me anxious, really. So, yeah. So, and we've done, and, and I guess it's pretty uh, it, pretty versatile is what I'm trying to say there. So my wife is involved in it for, uh, you know, stuff that uh, she needs to work on, and so do I. So what I was trying, what I was going with there is we split up during those sessions um, because uh, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to watch the one for her session. Gotcha. <laughs> Call it the self-guided tour. It didn't work out very well right. the first time. Right. So, so um, you're you're watching the, the 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 movement, and then while you're doing that, you're talking about or 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 hearing. I mean. Ha- ha- um, so it's in our case, it's, you know, before we even start, the therapist will start with, like, in my case, it was the most traumatic memory that I have, right? And then they start doing the MDR for a certain amount of time um, and uh, then stop and okay. you kind of talk about what has come up in your brain at that time. And, and then you just start going down rabbit holes, so to speak, yeah. and then keep keep doing it all until there's... No more rabbit holes to go down, really, wow. is what it okay. comes down to. Yeah, It's helpful, sounds like. It's been very helpful yeah. to me. Yeah. So that's interesting to hear. Thanks for sharing that. I have uh, had some, I always say, say it wrong. Say it again. EMDR. <laughs> that's it. I can't even spell EMDR. <laughs> but uh, they had me hooked up to a sound the sound would go left ear, right ear, left ear, right ear, and they had me hooked up to these finger things that would, I don't know, buzz. And I thought, what is this? Like, what kind of witchcraft? I was not open to it, I don't think. And uh, so, and then they start asking you questions about the, the most horrific memory, you know, that I was having trouble shaking with Sarah's accident. And so I started talking about the smell, you know, all these things. And whatever with my brain, it puts it in this little spot so that it doesn't freak me out every time I this, this, or this. It just kind of compartmentalizes. But, man, it's horrific work. It's a hard hour. You come out feeling like I just got beaten senseless. And then at some point, I bought in and said, wow, this is working. What it, give me some more. Give me a louder. <laughs> wow. Huh. And then uh, I read up on it, and I read about uh, PTSD, which is very misunderstood. Everybody thinks war instantly. You were in the war? No, I wasn't in the war. Same with you. You're being treated for PTSD, and this was on a street in, in our area. So no war needed. And so... That's another thing that uh, doesn't get talked about. So I kind of got excited over here when I heard you had that treatment and that it's working for you and for your wife. That's uh, that's good news. I hope you uh, keep going down those holes. Yeah, yeah. Good for you. Yeah, it is and hard good for your therapist. Yeah, it is hard work. That's it is for sure. So, yeah. and so that'd we, be somebody that kind of specializes in that type of therapy did you seek that type of therapy out or is it did somebody recommend it to you how did you end good up good question yeah so we actually had uh, we have a neighbor that um you know and i don't, you know people just come into your come to your rescue at just the right time right so we had had been kind of had it on the back burner we knew we were going to have to go through counseling eventually and um, but anyway, she uh, she had close connections. A good friend of hers was um, a counselor, and recommended um, or put some feelers out to see if anybody had any space for us, like right away. And most of the people I think she's connected to are already licensed in EMDR certified, whatever you want to call it. So yeah, so we I guess we could have ended up with somebody that wasn't. EMDR certified or didn't use it, but it's just by happenstance we did. So, yeah. 
Nice. Learned something today. Good yeah. stuff. Yeah. That is good stuff. Yep. It really took the bite out of the worst parts, the worst parts of it. Yeah. So. How often do you go? Um, I, I think we're down. We're I'm going uh, once every couple of weeks is what we're down to now. So. And I hope you don't mind me asking about uh, the scene of the accident. Do you make your way through there, or do you avoid that? Every day, every day. I have to. I have no choice where I live to go. So that was the rabbit hole that needed the most addressing. Yep, absolutely. Ah, so good yep. for you, man. Yeah. So and and don't don't get me wrong. It still really bothers me. Oh, I every don't. it bothers both of us every oh time my gosh, we, I don't we know. drive by it. Um, and, and you can't avoid it where you, you just live can't or where it is. Yeah, yeah. we can't avoid it, yeah. right? So, um, so we, you know, um, hard to admit, but every time we go through the intersection, we are in the furthest lane from where the accident happened. We are getting as far as, as humanly, you know, physically possible right. from the lane. On purpose. So, on purpose. Consciously, yeah. Yeah. every time. Yeah. But I think, you know, there's, you know, since... Uh, EMDR and stuff like that. I went from like staring at the street corner when I drive by to, you know, there are days when I drive right through it and then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. You know, I was, <laughs> that was the corner, you know. Right. I just, I wouldn't say forget, but it was the impact wasn't, wasn't quite as intense. Right. So, wow. Yeah. Travis, I remember having coffee with you. I don't know, it was a month or so after, I don't know, two months after, and I remember you talking about the, because of the accident, and, you know, and, and you could probably better articulate it, is, is you went through a phase of this kind of fear, fear of driving and fear of, like, leaving the house. I don't know if fear of leaving the house. I don't know. Like, can you talk a little bit about that experience um, that you had? Yeah, so the way I put it is I was stuck between grief and fear, right? The grief that... It is like I really don't want to go out and do anything. And then the fear that the world is so unsafe that I shouldn't. Um, and, and then, you know, I'm, all, I'm always a pretty hyper-vigilant driver to begin with. Um, and then I just all of a sudden felt like I was going to get creamed, like, at every intersection. <laughs> like, didn't matter. Yeah, really. So, yeah, and, I'm, and we're, still, we're still that way um, to some extent. I think it's the, as time time goes on that intensity is going you know going away a little bit but it's still pretty pretty fresh I'll say so yeah wow yeah so and I know that that's kind of you know after reading that book um, to the brink and back that a lot of people have the very exact opposite feeling like they're not afraid um, of much after something like that and yeah, that was yeah, because they've no. had their worst event now, so they can just live maybe yeah. more exactly. carefree. Right. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So it, for for me, it was the opposite. Um, I was just like all of a sudden just just found it hard to <laughs> really go anywhere for a while hmm. um, because of that. So yeah, I think I would lean more to the to the opposite. Um, there's been a lot of in my mind, like things that I'd be like, maybe normally more fearful of, and I'm kind of like, go for it, like whatever, like I'm just like, maybe whatever is what it captures, because I feel, I mean, although I still have family, and of course I, you know, have a lot to live for, and, and, and all that, but... I feel like the the loss was so is so painful. It's like bring it on, kind of like the rest yeah. Of, you know these other things that maybe I used to second guess or think you know think twice about are like hmm. less fearful. I don't know. And I don't know. If fear is the right word, but um, I don't know how to explain it. Maybe it, yeah. Interesting how two dudes can react totally different on that. Like 180. Yeah. There's a, there's a part of me that feels that way. Don't get me wrong. Um, but the dominant the dominant yeah. feeling is not is, and it's really more about not wanting to get maimed and live. If you know, I'd rather not be horribly maimed. You know, I don't know. It was just oh, yeah. I just got to thinking like you know my son um, wasn't doing anything wrong. Right. You know so. I just am I'm thinking, you know, if that can happen to him, 
And, you know, we were so... By the way, the nice lady that's trying to <laughs> clean up around here doesn't realize the sound that is <laughs> echoing through our microphones by while she's moving the tables and chairs. Um, and uh, unless you have a microphone and a head, headgear, don't, please don't move that table. <laughs> I know, I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, just think I worked. <laughs> that's all right. So uh, always a um, good good I distraction. I was uh, spinning today on the uh, on the Peloton, trying to get trying to get back on the bike and get my legs moving a little bit this winter. And I've been such a slug for months. Um, and uh, the I don't know if you I know you're a biker and have ever done that, but uh, Olivia, my instructor, Olivia, if you're listening out there, um, this is for you. Where's she from? I have no idea. <laughs> She kicked my butt this morning, though, but... Um, she have an accent, though? No, she doesn't, actually. Um, but she... Like, she just yells at you through the screen, and, you know, <laughs> you can do this, and, you know... But as I was, you know, sweating and riding this morning, she said, our bodies, or we are made to... We are made for hard things. We are made to um, go through hard things. Is something to that effect. And of course, she was talking about spinning and, and that. But I was, you know, I was thinking that more broadly. And um, there's nothing harder than what we've gone through. I don't believe. And and somehow we still get up in the morning and do the next day whatever that looks like and for each of us that next day looks you know differently from each other but and it's somehow we are here today still going and 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 I don't know I, I can't speak for all of you but there's days that I I feel like I can't or I don't want to and because it's hard it's really hard and it's way <laughs> What we were going through is way harder than any spin workout that I, I can ever go through. But um, I think we're made to to be able to persevere through this in some way. And um, but it's sometimes it feels like I don't know how. So Eleanor's right. Was it Eleanor? Olivia. Olivia is right. I believe so. I believe so. But, uh, yes, the fact that you're here. Yeah. Both of you guys are here as a testament to that. Yeah. And we did talk a little bit last time we were here about how resilient, resilient our bodies are to what we think is going to take us out or drive us mad or keep us from doing, uh, doing the living things that I think our children would want us to keep on doing. Yeah. Travis, you and Heather have it, you know, and, and Paul kind of went, I mean, did go through the same thing. I mean, you you're, you lost your only child, you know, and I count my blessings every day. I have I have two daughters, and you're, you know, we don't want to ever compare one loss versus another. But man, I just and, and Paul can can relate. When he lost Sarah, it was it was their only child, and you know, he later on adopted. And I just can't imagine. Um, it's hard enough. It's hard enough to go through, um, but to you know, to go through the, you and Heather going through what Paul and Jody did and, and lose your only only child and now you're instantly an empty nester and, and looking around and going, This this place was, you know, recently just you know, filled with this other person that was so much part of our life and no longer here in an instant. And then no one you know, I just I just my heart goes out to you and, and uh can't imagine how what are some, you know, things that you've you know maybe learned or gone through over the last three months that's helping you get through each day uh just going easy on myself is really what's helping me the most you know um i don't uh i don't know how to answer that question to be real honest with you i um i don't uh i don't know what's helping me get through it to be honest with you yeah. in fact i kind of uh, surprise myself you know i don't so when i look back i just sometimes i don't feel like i should be this 
I, I mean, don't get me wrong, this is extremely difficult, but I kind of thought that, you know, if I was uh, an outsider looking at me, I would think that I would be, should be a lot worse off. Michael mentioned that as well. And it feels uncomfortable. Sure. Feels, it, it kind of feels bad to, to, to feel kind of okay, like right. you're going to... Right, like, <laughs> totally. Like you're gonna. We're both nodding our heads big here. That's yeah. uh, we talk uh, at length about, about that. that. Yeah. yeah, and I don't feel like I'm out of the woods. I, I feel like I'm kind of at a level where um, uh, I like I may not get any closer to being okay than this. Um, I know I probably will, but uh, um, but that's I don't know. I, that's a hard question to answer as far as. Um, things that I've learned, and I think just probably getting early intervention with therapy is probably the biggest, most important thing uh, I could have done because I think otherwise I probably would have just been carrying it around with me and not really knowing what was okay and what was not okay as far as even boundaries with people and how how to feel or, you know, how I, that, you know, some of the maybe irrational things that I was thinking or feeling you know, just to know that those are normal and, uh, you know, a therapist that's, has, you know, dealt with lots of different people can, can validate that, yeah. you know. Yeah. So I guess that would probably be the single most important thing that, uh, that we've done that's kind of helping us along. I so. think I heard you say um, a little bit there and, and also in, you know, previous conversation that um, I, I think just being, I guess, how am I going to say, being okay with however you are feeling and knowing that you're not, you don't have to fix or understand necessarily or justify how you are feeling. I think if there's not that I can give any advice, but I think I heard a little bit that from you is like just the recognition that there's going to be times that you feel okay. That's okay. There's going to be fun times that you feel like you don't want to get out of bed, and that's okay. You know, there's all these things that you go through, and they are all okay, and you don't have to justify or, or make sense of or, or whatever else. Um for me, you know, and thinking about the last six or seven months, that's something that I keep coming back to. And I and I, I think there was something in the book that I shared with you that I read that told me that in some way, that you're going to feel this. And sometimes you're going to feel, you, you might be drawn to some guilt if you're feeling okay. And you shouldn't. If you're feeling okay, feel okay. And don't feel guilty about that. Mm-hmm. Um, just like you don't feel... You know, embar- you shouldn't feel embarrassed or bad about feeling bad because mm-hmm. you're going to just do that too. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I got about out of uh, what you first said. You said, uh, which is good advice for all of us, don't be so hard on yourself. And that uh, kind of that freedom to feel those feelings. And uh, I like that. Yep. It's a... Uh, think and I don't I don't know if I'm the I don't know the picture of somebody who's doing it right but um, you know we're just doing the best we can Uh, but it's it kind of it comes in waves too you know sometimes it's I could feel one way one hour and the next hour feel something totally different you know so so true and you talked about being out in the woods those woods you're not getting out yeah, yeah. so you gotta be comfortable more comfortable with the woods yeah 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 i think that's the other thing i think that's a good perspective too is is that you're not trying to get out of or through or, or over something you know and and obviously you know getting to a point where you're you just you know can function and all those kind of things are important but you have to embrace the suck is another good, <laughs> another good uh, I mean, ism. Yeah, I mean, yeah and I just mean, know that that's that is that is it. You're not. Yeah, yeah you can't reverse what has happened. You, you, it's just there. Yeah, and, and that's something I struggled for a long time, and and still do. Is is the permanency of it? You know, and and because everything up to this point in our lives, for the most part, or I can maybe speak for myself, and I've 
I mentioned this way back when in, in a conversation on the podcast is everything else in our lives sometimes you can fix or you can make better or you can get over or you can get through and and we're used to that right whatever it is in our lives we're used to that kind of getting over the hump and then everything's okay or every, or things are better that's so much of our lives that's what we do right whatever it is i mean you can go, you can go countless examples of whether it's school or relationships or whatever you you get up up over things and through things this is not one of those things right yeah you, and and that's a different reality to deal with it's you're not getting through it or over it it's just like how do i manage my new life with this yeah you have to learn to live with it right and yeah and that's sometimes a hard future for me to imagine to be honest it's not a cry for help. It just you is. Know, you've got you every know. right to you say know. and feel that. Um, in this, yeah. you know, in this very moment, that, and I'm, and I'm sure you felt the same way. You both felt the same way at some point in this, where it just didn't. You know, it's hard to imagine uh, a future that's any different than the one you had before. You know, um, so. Right, man. I love your honesty. That's uh, you're saying. You're doing it, man. And so much. I mean, wow. yeah, you're you're bringing me back a few months to a place where I remember talking to both Paul and also my my therapist. And I was in this kind of phase for a while that what best captured my feelings is is what's the point? Like I'm just like feeling this down kind of just struggle, and it's like it, life kind of was just a drag I just felt like I was hard, having a hard time be, being motivated to to care about the stuff that we're supposed to care about you know other than my family of course but just like work and other things and you get through you go through this this phase or I, I went through and, and just that, that kind of attitude is like what's the point I'm just like it's yeah it, and I think I'm glad you brought that up because that is probably where I'm at right now I, in fact, I call it an exis, existential crisis. Like, what is it? What is the point of Certainly. all of this? You know, and it, it just doesn't. Just seems like there's really no answer to that question, and that really is really digging at me um, right now. You know, so. And I'll just say it's 100% okay that you're there. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Well, it, yeah, you're, and, you're there. Yeah, I'm glad to hear you say that because you validate that. You know, I, I, that what I'm feeling is not. Again, not anything new. Right. Um, it's probably part of the process. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I, and I, I still go through, you know, and I can't, I'm always, you know, I'm kind of a visual learner, so I'm always kind of visualizing where I am in different phases and stuff like that. And, and I remember being there, um, and I still go back to that at times. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, and we talked about the last conversation Paul and I had. It's 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 a spiral. It's it's not linear. It's you're gonna you're gonna be in a a place for a while, and that might be in that what's the point phase or funk or whatever it is, and then you're gonna be like things kind of feel okay, and you'll be there for a while, and then you'll be somewhere else. And and I don't know, Paul, you're 20 years in. Is that spiral? Does it does it ever turn linear, or does it does it go away? What's what's it? I don't know. Well, I can totally relate about uh, wanting those answers, just craving those answers, going mad over having to know. And uh, if someone would have told me, you know, the forest is there, you gotta start adapting, and the answer will become clear later. You just gotta ride this out, you know. All that stuff that a positive person would want to convey to me. I'm here to tell you that you will know the answer if you can keep doing what you're doing. And uh, I don't know if I would have been ready to hear that. And you may not be. And you kind of wishy-washy on that still. Yeah. And as am I. Because I go back to... I do it too. And this is 20 plus years. But the answer has been revealed to me in the fact that I don't need to have an answer. You know, I'll never really know the why, I guess. You know, so I heard a long time ago, quit asking why. You're going to go nuts asking why. Well, guess what? That's 
I'm going to ask why. I need to know why. Dad wants to know why. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to rest till I know why. And then I went, I did indeed go mad searching for that. And so then, you know, you get to that point where the, you adapt and accept and realize and the light bulb moment, whatever you want to call it. Um, so is there a point in which you did have a light bulb moment? Like, was it, was it something specific that kind of pushed you over into, like, I don't need to ask why territory? Great question. Oh, it's a beautiful question. I don't think there was a light bulb moment, but it was through surrounding myself with positive people. So they were convincing me they were convincing me by modeling that everything was going to be all right. And then uh, with Jace's adoption, I mean, that was another piece. So I guess the light bulb moment might be when uh, I realized how good Jace was going to be for Jody and I's healing. So there I didn't think I had an answer, but I think I do now. (laughs) (laughs) But... uh, I, I fought it for so long and wasn't ready, so maybe the answer was there way before I was ready. Yeah. But uh, so it was more like a dimmer switch rather than a yeah. full on light bulb. <laughs> right. Good. Good visual. Yeah. Yes. Uh, very good. Well, cool. Anything else on your guys' mind? You want to? Okay. Um, Travis. God bless you and, and Heather. Thank you for being know vulnerable and willing to to step into this arena with Paul and I always welcome to come back and 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 and, you know I have a feeling we're going to be friends for a long time um sorry that we had to meet this way (laughs) you know but um but uh anything you need you know you got a couple great friends here that are are here for you and, and here for your wife so um and I know you probably hear that a lot from other people but sincerity sincerely you know we're we're in this together and want to want to support each other in any way we can. Well, thank you. I appreciate you um, letting me be a part of it. I hope it helps somebody. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks from my end, too. You did help somebody, and that was me. You said some beautiful things, and I love the honesty and the fact that you're here, and now I have a new friend. I like how that works, too, without me having to do a lot. Like you said, the people appear in our lives that uh, maybe we need at that time. So uh, I look forward to seeing you in action again. Thanks. Thanks. All right. That's Rec. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Peace. Mm-hmm.